are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. good to be in God's house, isn't it? And in God's presence. This is Pentecost Sunday today, and um, this was prophesied uh, and foretold in the Old Testament, and Jesus told his disciples to go into Jerusalem, but wait until the promise of the Father falls from on high. Today, I want to share with you um, from the Word of God, from Acts chapter 1 and 2, people of the Spirit empowered. Uh, We've been in a a four-week series on the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, why the promise of the Father, and then led by the Spirit, and then um, healing last week, and this week is empowered, people of the Spirit. The theme today Uh, that I want to share with you from God's Word is that Jesus Christ baptizes us with the Holy Spirit power to be his witnesses. I was uh, in seventh grade, I guess that would make me 12 years old, and um, yes, just one second, and I went to youth camp, and I just want to encourage all the parents and teens, whether it's youth camp or kids camp, if, if your uh, child can go, to have them go. And um, I had grown up in a, a church that was spirit-filled, it was an Assemblies of God church, and um, I had seen in action uh, the things of the Spirit, I'd seen the move of God's Spirit, I'd seen firsthand um, people healed, um, miraculously um, delivered and set free, uh, heard prophecies and all of that. But I went to youth camp and that evening, and being uh, 12 or 13 years old, uh, prior in the week I was doing what 12 or 13 year old boys do, which was (laughs) sort of dumb and dumber. squirting the girls' dorm at uh, 6 a.m. in the morning with a cold water hose and then running for our life, hoping no one would catch us. How many know that's really dumb? Um, and among other things. Uh, and, uh, but thank goodness, um, first of all, we, we weren't caught. That was, uh, that was major. Uh, my parents couldn't afford to send me to youth camp, so... They volunteered. My dad was a pastor, and my mom had also a full-time call to ministry. So they worked in the camp kitchen so their oldest son could experience youth camp. We didn't have the the funds or the ability to do that. And so um, the last thing I wanted to do was uh, get caught. I, I can't say 
that I didn't want to squirt the girls with the cold hose. I can't say, I just didn't want to get caught. How many been, you've been there in that situation? Yeah, you just, you're going to do what you're going to do. But that night there was a message on, on the Holy Spirit and how Jesus Christ is the baptizer. And as I heard this message, and I'd heard it before, but something, the Spirit of God moved on that young heart of mine, and I went forward that night to seek the Lord, and there was a, this deep desire in my heart for all that Jesus had for me. And I went back with scores of young men and women, and, and the altar, the the, the room that they had was behind, in the, in the old tabernacle at that particular time was behind the stage and the risers. There was a long room and there were bare wooden benches and a wooden floor. And there we prayed and we asked the Lord and many people gathered around me and um, prayed and I was not really hardly conscious of them all I could do, and I would just tell Jesus Christ how much I loved him, how much I loved him, and how much I wanted him, and how much I wanted to be used of him, and how much I desired everything that he had for me. By and by, the room began to empty, and after a while, I was either the last one there, or there might have been a few other stragglers, I don't know, but I was the last one. But I continued unabated, pouring out my heart to the Lord with deep, deep and great sincerity. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus Christ, baptized me in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and all, what, what it was like, it was like breaking through to heaven's dimension instead of my dimension. I had this great sense of joy in the Lord, this, this great sense of wanting to praise him even more than I could. And out of my mouth, I began to speak this, this language that I, I I, uh, it, it was irrelevant whether I understood it or not. It was a heavenly language. And while I didn't understand it with my ears, I understood it with all of my being and my heart. It was allowing me to express to God with every fiber of my being, my desire and my praises and to honor him, praise his name. And I arose from that. Uh, it continued on for quite some time. I rose from that really a changed individual. And it's not in my teenage years that I didn't do some other dumb stuff because uh, sometimes uh, teenage boys do some of those things. But the Lord had, we used to say, he'd gotten a hold of me, gotten a hold of a person. And it's been with me ever since when we entered and broke through into God's dimension. And I just want to say this, it's really important. Don't talk about what's in God's dimension if you haven't experienced God's dimension. My grandparents, 
Three of the four were from New Brunswick, Canada. My two grandparents came over in the early 1900s, 1920, Depression, whatever it was. They were staunch Baptists, just great, great church people. Loved the Lord. My grandfather was in management, managed uh, different things and factories, etc. But he heard that he had this deep hunger for the things of God. And he heard that in the town of Washburn, Maine, in Aroostook County, Maine, way up in, way up there, where I think there's more moose than people, but he heard that there was a revival. And he, re and he moved his entire family, which would later grow to 12 children. To, to, he left everything to find and to seek out a different dimension. The Lord gloriously baptized him in the Spirit, and there was a huge revival, and, and the Washburn Pentecostal Church was formed, and that church became the mother of Pentecost in the state of Maine. And there's terrific roots that we have. My other grandfather from Maine was a hellion. He had marched in the Ku Klux Klan parade. He'd come to America, went to D.C., he, he just, he was, a, he was a bad hombre. And one day, one day, my grandmother had got to come to the Lord and she convinced him to go to church with her. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ and it changed him. And that was in the state of Delaware. And then they moved to, they moved to Long Island. Um, and uh, uh, they, in, in this small town that was there, Stony Brook, Long Island, and they were meeting in a church plant, and she heard the message of Pentecost. She was baptized in the Spirit, and the preacher came after her from the church they were going, and he said, you can't do that. That's of the devil. And my grandmom said this. She said, listen, she said, you might have an argument but I have an experience based in God's Word. And from that time, my, my dad grew up in that church. He went on to uh, North Point Bible College, Zion Bible Institute. He came back. He helped start a church. He ministered. And that, that particular church now is a great church. It's called Smithtown Gospel. And um, we've, our family has experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Gathering them, yeah, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Imagine with me God's intent for his kingdom and for his people, that this gospel would be preached throughout all the earth to every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. In the Old Testament, there were five major visitations of the Spirit of God. It fell upon select people. It would be for prophecy. It would be for miracles. It would be for healings. It would be for direction in battle. It would be for empowerment, for as the armies went out. 
But Joel prophesied in Joel 2, 26 through 28, he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. When Jesus Christ came and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and John had said to him, Lord, you, uh, you need to baptize me, not the other way around. I, I just want us to hear this. And Jesus replied to him, no, I want you to baptize me so that righteousness might be fulfilled. And when John baptized him in water, a dove came from heaven. It was the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and it rested upon Jesus. And the heavens said this, the heavenly Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I, I want to say today, if Jesus, if Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, if Jesus needed to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, how many think that you and I could use that also and that need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wants us to do? Pentecost came so that all God's people could receive and be used in the gifts of the Spirit. So this gospel could be preached as a sign of the kingdom of God that God is present among us. Today, if I would ask you how many people in the world have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'll throw out a few numbers. How many think it's maybe one in two million have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, we've got a couple takers. How about one in one million? Any? Okay. All right, how about one in 500? One over here? All right. I feel like a bidding war. How about one in 12? How, how about that one? Any takers there? How about one in 175? The answer is this. On the face of the earth today, one in every 12 people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can someone say amen? Amen. Imagine, imagine with me that church being filled with praise and power and glory so that we can accomplish what the Lord Jesus Christ has sent us to do. I want to share with you the first thing today is the promise of the Father. The people of the Spirit are empowered. How is that? It's the promise of the Father. So Jesus said these words in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, gathering them together. These are the last words that he, he spoke before he ascended into heaven. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. This is the only thing the Father had ever promised. The only thing. Just let that sink in for a moment, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will 
you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was given because our Heavenly Father's focus is on humanity. His focus is on you. It's on your life. It's on everyone here. That's the focus of God. We've been created in his image. But it's not only upon you and upon me. It's, it's also upon everyone beyond the church parking lot. It's on the drivers and the occupants of the 35,000 cars that go past Grace Assembly of God on Route 22 every day. That might be 50,000 people. They're the focus of God and his heart toward humanity. It's why in John 20, 21, that Jesus told them to, to preach the gospel, but then he said to them, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit to be empowered to carry out his work. The promise of the Father is there to effect, to bring into reality the reward of Jesus' suffering. This is the suffering of Jesus. Do you know that you and I are the reward of his suffering? Are, are you aware of that today? Hebrews 12 Verses 1 and 2 said, Therefore, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the people of God of all time. The writer said, Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily entangle us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, and disregarded the shame. Friends, the Lord wants you to know today that you are the joy of Jesus. Can someone say amen? Think of this with me. You and I are the reward of his suffering. He endured the cross. He disregarded the shame because the joy that was set before him was forgiveness of sins and salvation of humanity and healing and miracles and reconciliation and peace and the presence of God that one day will fill the earth as, as the waters cover the sea. Our best strategies and the methods of the people of God have always fallen short even with our best intentions. In the Old Testament, I mean, my goodness, they had Moses give them the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine? They had Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah, and yet they knew the law, and yet it fell short of what God imagined for his people. In fact, Paul would later write that the law, it, while it was good and perfect, he said that, he said it was a schoolmaster because we could not, we could not in our own abilities, we could not fulfill that. It was even in Jesus' day, there was a remnant of people, but for the most part, the people that came were cultural. Uh, the religion was cultural. And even today, even today, 
Our best efforts without the touch of the Holy Spirit fall short, but when the Spirit of God comes, He's the one that forgives. He's the one that sets free. He's the one that brings great joy. He's the one that brings healing and power. Just this past week, I, I heard of three testimonies of the gifts of the Spirit. And by the way, you know, Jesus said, it's better that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit so that you can do greater works than what I've done. That's, that's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Greater works. And he was talking about greater works and which are the gifts of the Spirit, uh, not in, in quality, but in volume and quantity because it's a sign of God's kingdom. This past week, uh, I, I heard this, uh, I saw this testimony that uh, a man, individual from my home church, and I know his name well, um, was diagnosed with cancer of his voice box. And it, it got to the place that nothing was helping, and the physician said, the surgeon said, it has to be removed. I can't imagine life without a voice. How about you? I can't imagine that. But that's your only hope. And somehow this individual, he said, I, I, I want to delay for a little bit. And he asked for prayer, for earnest prayer. Because how many know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? There's people that are still in need of healing today. There's people that still are bound and they need to be delivered and set free. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they prayed for him. The people in my home church prayed for this individual. And he went back and they ran the tests again and they came, the report came back. And the physician said, we don't understand it, but there's no sign of cancer. Can someone say praise God? Yes, praise God. It's a sign that God has more power than our capacity and his spirit and his spirit baptism brings us into his dimension so that we can minister in power and faith and with great joy. My nephew Tyler was here a year ago in January and he ministered and the Lord uses him in healing there was an individual, I just saw this this past week also, another one with cancer, and um, the report has come back after prayer, and they've asked for prayer that the cancer has gone in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. Nothing, nothing can compare to the power of Jesus Christ. Praise his name. The second thing I want to share with you is what this is one of my favorite three words in the Bible. This is that. This is that. So on the day of Pentecost, Jesus poured out the gift of the Spirit. And we read this in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. 
Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. And what this is, there's 120 that are in the upper room. Jesus pours out the Spirit upon them. They begin speaking in all these different languages. And a crowd started to gather out on the street. The crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? You have to understand, when they said Jesus, the Galilean, they weren't saying that and say, oh, he comes from a really good bloodline. To be from Galilee was not something that, that, that's not something you put on your resume. How many understand that? And so they're saying, how, how could these, these people, they're all from Galilee, how would they have the intelligence to speak in all of these different languages? And so they went on and they said some other things. They said, how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? But Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, how about, how many like men and women of God that take their stand? Yes, yes. He raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. And we know there's a huge crowd because eventually 3,000 that day came to the Lord. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose. So not only were they calling them from the wrong part of town, but they were saying they were all drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that, or this is what, was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Just notice how many times the word all is used in connection with the Holy Spirit. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. The gift of the Spirit, even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. The gift of the Spirit is heaven's power for all generations, all genders, and all cultures. We, um, we, we, we live in a time where there, there is uh, an emphasis, unlike any other time that I've seen in my life, on uh, empowering women, but I've, we also live in a time that I've never seen so much abuse towards women. It's a strange day in which we live. But the prophet Joel said that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh so it would be young men, old men. It would be young women. It would be servants. It would be even bond slaves that they would prophesy. In other words, they would declare forth 
the oracles of God. All genders, all generations, and all cultures. In heaven, we see the worship around the throne. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is represented there because the arms of Jesus are that wide. This past week, we had the privilege of being in Majorca, on the island of Majorca in Spain. It sits in the Mediterranean. The island is about 150 miles around. The, the main city is the city of Palma, and you, uh, you showed uh, last week, there's a couple of video clips that I sent here. I want to show you a few more things this week of what happens when a church is empowered by the Spirit of God. This, let's show the first clip, the first two. This is Sunday morning. We're going into the Christian center of Mallorca. So all the church people, the children, the holiness, ninos, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. This is one of only about four Christian churches in a city of half a million. It's going to be an exciting day. God bless you. God bless you. Bendiciones. So we enjoyed such a, a joyous day. This, this church of 1,500 in a city of half a million and... Um, they have a vision to, and they're building, they're constructing a church. It's the first church built in that city on the entire island uh, since 1960. And um, uh, as we were there worshiping, I noticed so many, there, there's 30 different nationalities, that's what I found out, tongues, uh, tribes, cultures, they're all speaking in Spanish. And thank God uh, for grace in Espanol and, and for... Some of the songs we sing on Sunday morning are in Spanish. How many know what I'm talking about? So I, I, I felt sort of at home, but when I looked around, there were so many people, and I foolishly thought, or I, I just was not aware, I said, oh my goodness, now I understand where uh, so many people come for, from in Central America and South America, they come from here, and that's where I... I said, I didn't know Spaniards looked like this. And, um, and, and we sat, there was 300 chairs, and I'm telling you, there was at least 300 taken because there, there was no space anywhere that you could see. And um, I found out later that the, they're, they're not from Spain. They have come from Central America and Latin America. They've come there, and they found this, this church that is building something great for God against all odds. 1,500 is the largest church by far on the island. It's spirit-filled, spirit-empowered. And we also visit several cathedrals that go back 800 to 1,000 years. But my understanding on Sundays, when you look into these huge, they're absolutely stunning cathedrals, there'll just be a handful of people. But this was a church, this was a church where we were, they have 1,500 on a weekend, they have, uh, I believe it's five different services, 
because God is doing something there. We praise the Lord for it. Praise his name. Amen. So let's go to the, the next uh, couple of pictures. And so this is the thing that, this is the church that's under construction, and uh, they bought a half acre of ground for a million dollars, and they felt very fortunate to be able to, to buy a half acre of land in the city for a million dollars, but the governing authority said you can only, you can only build on a quarter of an acre. So I love the resourcefulness and how smart people are. So they're building two stories up and two stories down. So they have four stories, and this will seat 800, and, uh, and the ministry center and what, they, what they're doing now, what they have planned, I was just so impressed by that and by the heart of it. Let's go to the next one. So we went on a Saturday that it was a work day, and they had, uh, I don't know, about 50 people, and they've been doing this. It's not just come out, you know, once every three months. I mean, just the tenacity is, is off the chart. And, and this picture right here, a woman, it was dark in the hall, and she was doing something, so she took her iPhone as, her, as the flashlight, and she was lighting the way so she could... Um, whatever it was that she was doing, I, it was uh, pretty amazing to me uh, to see their resourcefulness. The next picture, I believe, yes, that's the pastor's wife, and she was building scaffold on Saturday, but leading worship on Sunday, and she's an amazing woman of God, and that smile is real, and it is genuine. Let's go to the next one. So this is our team, uh, Chris and myself, and then Phil and Ellen, uh, Phil um, works for the Assemblies of God World Missions for Builders International, and uh, although I think he gives more away than what they could ever pay him, uh, that's just his heart, and then there was two other pastors that were with us. Let's go to the next one. So we gathered around this brother who's the pastor. Um, he was a clinical psychologist, and the Lord uh, the Lord had saved him and called him to full-time ministry. He left all that behind to go and pastor this. It was a small church when he went, and now it's absolutely thriving. And I found out that he and the elders in that church, just listen to this, uh, in order to get the funding, because it was millions of dollars, the bank required that he and the other elders put up the, the deeds to their personal homes and also some of their other assets in order to secure the loan. Just think of that. Uh, you know, we give, but, uh, but putting up our homes, they are absolutely all in and that the lien, if you would, would not be released on those things until the building is 100% paid for probably in 20 or 30 years from now. And then the next one, is a picture of Chris and myself. We were so happy to be there and just to see what the Lord is doing and uh, to see the Spirit in action, praise His name. And so the next thing I want to share with you is that God's promise is for all believers. God's promise is for all believers today. Acts 2, 37 to 39 says these words. This was on the day of Pentecost. Peter had stood, took a stand, he preached. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent 
and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So there was this great end gathering. The Spirit of God came upon them. Something happened. We're going to read in verse 42. So this is what happened. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'm going to have the band come if you would now. Thank you. When Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, John said he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. Something changes that we can't do ourselves. It changes our focus, first of all. Our heart becomes one with the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us, secondly, power for service, faith gift of the Spirit, a desire to pray, a desire to be with Jesus, a desire to take a step of faith and to accomplish big things. One of the, one of the really powerful and interesting things about Worldwide Pentecost is that Pentecost worldwide includes every walk of people, wealthy, poor, um, you name it. But as, as this has been studied, what they found is that about 85% of everyone coming to the Lord Jesus Christ now are coming through spirit-filled believers. And what they found, because Jesus said, you'll receive power to be by witnesses, that most of it happens one-on-one. -on -one. It's by people sharing their faith. One-on-one. -on -one. Come, see. Some of you are in church today because someone invited you to come. Come to church. Experience the presence of the Lord with us. Um, and it's... And that faith, as God has designed it, is effective anywhere. It's certainly effective through social media, but it's effective where there's not social media. It's effective where people have means. I told the pastor over there, and they have 17 parking spots for a church of 1,500 people. You know, we pull on here on Sunday mornings, and we're hoping our hair's 
you know, combed and if you've been to Dunkin' Donuts that there's no crumbs or coffee around you, you know, we're worried about and say, well, can we get our favorite parking spot? How do 1,500 people fit into 17 spots? And how are they there every week? Well, I found out so many of them walk to church. Some take public transportation. You see, the faith that God has it's beyond our capacity. It's beyond our capacity. A church of 1,500 people that mostly work in the service sectors, and I asked them, I said, what do they get per hour? They said, the most is 6 to $8 an hour. That's what they get. So their income for 1,500 people is half a million dollars. Somehow God has taken their faith, and he's, he's building a great work for God. Because he empowers us. It changes our focus. Friday nights, they said, they have prayer meeting and they have three to 400 people. I said, oh my goodness. No wonder the presence of the Lord is there. And I say all that today. It's not to provoke. It's not to provoke envy or jealousy or compare ourselves. But the Spirit of God, when we seek the Lord and say, God, I want all you have. I want all you have. My hope and my trust is in you. It changes our focus onto those things that are eternal instead of on the things that once we pass from this earth, we can't take with us. We can't take that house. We can't take that car. We can't take all so many other things. And there's good in them. And we use them for the glory of God. But it has a way of, you've seen me do this illustration, several of you have, where a picture is half filled with water. And I put ping pong balls in it. And they're all the things that sort of weigh us down. I mean, what I'm talking about, anxieties and and Lord, what, what in the world are we going to do when gas hits five fifty a gallon? Not, has anyone thought of, you know, you know what I'm saying? And Lord, what, what about retirement? And Lord, I mean, it just, it goes on and on and on and on. And Lord, how am I going to provide for my kids and get the clothes that they need? And, and all of those things. And, and they're legitimate concerns. But Jesus has already said he would provide for us. When the Spirit of God is poured in, it just, it fills that vessel and the next thing you know, those worries and concerns, they just, they just come off. They just come off and instead we're filled with the joy of the Lord and the faith that only He can give and we walk in that strength and we walk in that power. Praise His name. God calls us to fully enter his great commission and to imagine to imagine church what he sees he sees every tongue every tribe every nation he sees for grace assembly of god that you're the reward of his suffering you're the object of his joy the enemy comes against your heart he comes to condemn to steal to kill to destroy the lord wants us to know that you you, you, you're the object of Jesus' joy. It's why he went to the cross. It's for you. 
And the Heavenly Father invites us into, into that great commission. And Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes as we lift up our hearts and minds. And we say, Lord, we want all of you. Lord, we love you. And we focus on you. You're the most important thing in my heart, oh Lord God. And when we make ourselves available to the Lord and say, God, I want what you have for me, the Lord comes in a way that's absolutely incomprehensible. Praise his name. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to stand today, and I want to pray for you, and we're going to do communion. This is Pentecost Sunday. What I, I'd like... For everyone that's comfortable, if you'd fill around the altars here and, and back up the aisles, you're welcome also to stay in your seat. But I want us as a congregation, if your heart is hungry toward the Lord today, would you come and say, Lord, Lord, would you fill me? Would you fill me? Paul said to the disciples at Ephesus, he said, if you, if you receive since you believe, and they said, we, we don't know what you're talking about. And, and he talked with them about the Holy Spirit. And they said, no, we've not received that. And when he laid hands on them, they were filled with the Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. And so, and then Paul said to be filled and to keep on being filled. So I want to invite everyone today. We're going to bring our communion elements. Will you come around the altar? And we're going to stand here and say, Lord, this is where we are. Lord, we, uh, we make ourselves available today. And at the end of the service, there'll be prayer teams here for special prayer. If you need someone to pray for you for healing or provision or salvation, folks will be here. Let's come. Band, would you begin to uh, minister to the Lord? Thank you.